Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 39 through 49. Please listen to the word of God. He also told them a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, when the river burst against it, immediately it fell and great was the ruin of the house. The word of the Lord. They have about 10 or so boxes that they've created in various ways and they've got little cutouts and they've been working on it for three weeks and they've got one one more week later about how to be a good neighbor. And honestly, these kids just understand what it makes to be a core person and to be a good neighbor, something that us adults could learn from as well. And you're invited to go see them anytime you want in Andrew's Hall. They're laid out all the way along the hallway so that you can see them and see what their creativity and what creativity it sparks for you. Well, this morning we have a scripture lesson that leads us to thinking about also what it's like to be a good neighbor and by building our houses on solid ground. 
And we shouldn't be too taken aback by the lessons from a master carpenter. After all, that was what Jesus's trade was. And realize that he can be the master carpenter. We're just the ones that live in it and stand upon him. Would you pray with me? God, giver of breath and voice, though I speak the meditations of my heart, may they be filled anew with your powerful spirit. Help us to breathe in your grace and strength with every sound. In your name we pray. Amen. Speaking of homes, to my surprise, a house that I had built was still standing many years later. You see, the youth group in my church had a habit of going to Mexico. Remember, I used to live in Los Angeles. Every year, and this was our high school mission trip that happened around spring break. And so I was in charge with many of my other friends in building this rectangle that was 10 by 20. And as our white vans descended upon the particular neighborhood, and I with my limited Spanish, we took part year after year in building five building trips over the year. We would travel on Sunday and get settled at base camp and begin our build. Now our group was usually big enough that we had several houses, all within one neighborhood, but close enough together that we could visit one another and go by the local tienda and get some coke and some chips, but then also keep getting to work. Now Monday was always foundation day. And then on Tuesday, we went about the framing and also the roofing. Half of the crew went up on the roof so that they could do their work, and half of the group stayed down below to do their work. One of the things that I really enjoyed doing was turning over those Home Depot buckets that were orange and sitting there and meticulously making these things where you had to tear a piece of the tar paper, fold it in half or sometimes in thirds, and then take a roofing nail, which was about an inch deep, and putting it through so that when you took this nail and this piece of paper, you could put it up to the tar paper and it would not rip through. It was a very, very important step and very, very laborious. So much so that one house, and remember how small I told you they were, would need three Home Depot buckets filled. Can you imagine the relationships that were also built as I was sitting there with one of my friends meticulously folding these pieces of tar paper and putting the roofing nails in them and hearing the clink as we put them at the bottom of yet another bucket. Now this marked a deeper relationship, of course, and then there were tasks that were handed, handed out to everyone. And there was also this subservient relationship that all of a sudden the people that were on the roof had with us below people because they couldn't just get down off the roof. They would yell out things like, we need water or sunscreen or a bag of chips. Now, if you're following along, it's Wednesday, and though we're tired, we would always descend upon this neighborhood and once again waiting the work, which was play with our amigos that were in around the neighborhood and the kids that lived in the house, and of course, the tienda. Though we were tired, we would push through the day's work, making multiple trips, playing with the kids, making more of those tar paper nails, 
And before we went home on Wednesday, we needed to finish a layer of stucco around the whole house because then it would have time to dry by the time Thursday came around. Now one year our home was on a building site that was on a hillside and the labor was just more. More to get water and it was so cold that it didn't have time to get dry. And then, of course, some animals had left their mark, not only on day one, but also on day two. There were many reasons why this particular build was slower than others, and our foundation was not complete by day one, or day two, or day three. We finally finished on Wednesday. Now, the adult leaders looked pretty sad as they asked us to turn over some of those orange buckets so that we, as a house, could have a conversation. And in that circle, we made some next step plans, and they reported that they were resolved, that we were only going to be able to accomplish the foundation, and we weren't going to be able to accomplish the whole house ourselves. Another group was going to come in and finish our house next week, and they instructed us to clean up for the day. And after all, there was no timetable. But I saw it. There was a timetable on the people's faces of the house in which we were building. Now, if you're like me and most people that are American, our worth is often measured by productivity and completion. We can't have everything figured out. And yet God is a God who says, okay, you are still worthy, and you are still worthy of grace. Now, this story leaves me with all sorts of levels of incompletion and anxiety about that incompletion. And people of Jesus' time were no different. They often thought about how the external reflected the internal, and that reflection of their internal was that they were messy and incomplete and insufficient. Them and us. So Jesus knows that this way of life that he's calling people to is new. And it's different. And it makes them uneasy. Because it's all-encompassing and all-demanding. And we have to say, we're all in. But Jesus offers us something. A firm foundation. Something solid to be on. And it's with this that I ask you the question. Have you ever had a memorable moment in your life that shook you to the core of who you were? Maybe something small, maybe something large, maybe something within your own family, maybe something you heard on the news. And how did you figure things out? Jesus' value is not to have everything figured out, but gives space for people to process. He is the center for how things are in control and when they are in chaos. He is what we should search for that is pure so that our goods can feel inside and reflect on the outside. And so we lean in. We want more of that. And also, can you expect this crowd to be like that as well, hearing these words from Jesus? That everything that they had known and learned is not everything. 
But this process of learning is how we are to be God's people, this ever-growing faith process. And so in our scripture for today, Jesus is speaking with a crowd who knew what, what they were standing on was essentially sinking, washing away. They were trying to gain footing in this religious world that they were in, but every time they stood on something that they thought was solid or followed a rule to the nth degree, they realized that what the religious leaders were teaching was something that they couldn't ever achieve. And where they were offering guidance, it was often misleading. A faith that is built on a list of rules and certain laws was something that the people of Israel leaned into and held onto as they were the other in whatever scenario they were on as they were traveling and being other. And it stood them apart. And it worked for so long. But it wasn't what Jesus was offering them now. This new life. It will require a, a change of heart, a change of their personality, and it's less about following, but a focus on what, why they were following and how they were being in the world. And so Jesus uses several parables, and you might have even heard some of these or iterances of these. They actually turn into quite the visual cartoon if you're really thinking of them. Let me see if I can tell you a joke the way that Jesus did. What do you get when one blind man guides another? Both of them falling in a ditch. How can you say to your brother, Dear brother, let me take that tiny speck out of your own eye, when obviously you can't see past it because you can't see the plank in your own eye. Haven't you noticed? Now, listening to this wisdom and not putting it into practice is what Jesus lands as the foundation of his foundation idea. It's just ridiculous to lay yourself on any other foundation than Jesus. And when a storm comes, it will be washed away. So what is your foundation? Now, every faith has a process. We as a church with our younger kids have children's worship time and Sunday school. And then an adoption of some articulation of faith with maybe our confirmation process. And then there's more. A Christian often stumbles in some point of their life, maybe mid-adult, where they, again, have some sort of evaluation and rearticulation of their faith. And this term has actually grown in quite popularity in the Christian realm, the writer and speaker series, in the term of deconstruction. Perhaps you've heard of it. Basically, it's the meaning or process of re-examining the faith that you grew up with. And sometimes this re-evaluating or re-examining means that you depart the faith altogether. Sometimes it means that you are able to better articulate what faith you had. And sometimes it means that you stick firmly into a new faith and a new idea and a new concept when you feel like the gospel is really speaking to you. Sometimes it looks just the same as it always did. But this rethinking, this deconstruction, is always an important thing to do in our faith at some point. To engage in this work has no time frame. Now, a magazine that I read is called Relevant. It's actually a multimedia company, and they also have internet articles. And their senior editor wrote this last week. It's very common practice in ancient process 
Martin Luther, for example, probably wouldn't have used the word deconstruction for his theological revolution, but it fits into the paradigm of what researchers would call deconstruction today. The word was originally coined by the French philosopher Jacques Derrera as a critique of Platonism, but in recent years it has been popularized by the likes of Father Richard Rohr to refer to a spiritual journey, a cultivation of religious beliefs. And in this framework, most of us start our spiritual journey through a process of construction where we build our spiritual worldview, usually with the beliefs handed down to us from authority figures. Then at some point, many Christians enter a process of deconstruction where they start to re-examine those beliefs. Then you enter into a time of reconstruction, rebuilding your belief system, ideally with the help of a trusted community. That's you. So in hearing the Gospel of Luke as a whole, we realize that the people in which Jesus is speaking are the poor, the oppressed, the outcasts, the people who feel like they have messy in their lives. And this inside represents the outside. And so they are coming, wanting love, wanting grace, wanting to hear upon this firm foundation they could plant their feet because they do see a lot of people walking around with planks in their own eye and ignoring. When I used to tell the story of me going to Mexico to build houses, it was sort of a sense of pride. I had built these five houses. Well, four houses and one foundation. And this is just what we did as a high schooler. And I'm pretty sure I wrote college essays that landed me in a great college in a great place. I'm sure it made me stand out. But now a few decades later, the story of going to Mexico and building a few houses, I realize not how much I affected them, but in this case, how they affected me. Now there's no reason, there's reasons to go on this trip like my friends were going or it would look good on a college essay. But it's really about Christ's humanity and how we're getting our priorities straight. And we've got work to do in this world because there are real problems in this world. Let's pray. Oh God, as we look to where we can plant our feet, where we can sink our teeth in, where we can trust, whether it be facts or figures, relationships that we've built, or whatever. God, shake us up and turn us around and put our feet on solid ground. Let us know where that is and how we can move to do the things you've asked us to do in this world. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.